is A-M-E-N, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. Broadcasting from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, U-S-A. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time for the General, General Cigar, cigar Dave. 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 The start of October can only mean one thing on the Cigar Dave Show, and that is the start of Cigar Oktoberfest. The entire month of October will be celebrating brewskis. We'll be celebrating beer in conjunction with fantastic cigars because let's face it, when it comes to alpha male pleasure maneuvers, one of the important elements are spirits and beers. And so we will be the entire month sampling numerous beers for Cigar Oktoberfest and having great guests that will join us, including today, Larry Bell, the founder of Bell's Brewing up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I think there was a song, I Got a Gal in Kalamazoo. They ought to change that. I Got a Harem in Kalamazoo, although I have not been to Kalamazoo, so before I make that statement, maybe I ought to go there and see how the dames look before I make that truculent statement. All right, long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the Alpha, make America great again, make masculinity great again. Never before has that statement been more important than these past few weeks, and I will say all of history. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure as always. Your global five-star general, your commanding officer, Alpha male and chief front and center from Command Center Alpha, in the Cigar City of Tampa. As I mentioned, we'll be celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest the entire month for our National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. I have selected a special beer to enjoy to kick off Cigar Oktoberfest. Got to have something that is authentic, so we will have a fine Oktoberfest beer from Deutschland, from Germany, where Oktoberfest began. And Oktoberfest, the world's largest beer Festival held annually in München, Munich, Bavaria. It is a 16- to 18-day folk festival running from mid to late September to the first weekend in October. Now, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute, General. Oktoberfest is ending this week. Why would you start Cigar Oktoberfest when it's ending in Germany? Well, there's a reason we defeated Germany in WW1 and WW2. Because they're schmucks. Because why would you call Oktoberfest... Oktoberfest if you're celebrating it in September. In that case, it should be called Septemberfest. Therefore, it is Oktoberfest. We celebrate it in its rightful month, and that is the month of October. So we'll be talking more about uh, Oktoberfest, more about the history, but loads and loads of beer. In fact, 66,000 barrels on average are served in Oktoberfest. There's food, amusement rides, games. It's like a giant state fair, essentially, in München. And we will celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest the entire month. But first, it is imperative that we discuss 
the war on men. We need to make sure our battle fatigues are on. We need to make sure that we have our proper military gear on because the enemy fire is coming at us fast and furious. And nowhere do we have to find the war on men in the last few weeks when we have seen the attacks on Judge Brett Kavanaugh. We have seen the feminists and the Democrats and uh, women all over the country. We believe her. Never mind if they even get the facts of the story. We believe her. That's like saying Ted Bundy, mass murderer. Uh, That's like saying uh, Charles Manson. Another mass murderer. We believe him. We believe he's innocent. We believe him or we believe he's... Before we even know the facts. I mean, this is like women saying or men would be saying, I believe Ted Bundy is innocent. He is innocent. Never mind about looking at the facts. Never mind about looking at the case. In this country, we have a justice system that you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. That's what makes us different than other countries around the world, especially dictatorships, the former Soviet Union. Look at China. All they have to do is say, yep, you, you're guilty, you're going in the clink. Or in the former Soviet Union, you're guilty, you're going to Siberia for 40 years of hard labor. It doesn't work that way where all of a sudden, if you don't like someone or like something, you say, yep, he's guilty, throw him in, throw him, put him in Leavenworth and take, throw away the key. What has happened, this hashtag MeToo movement has gone and transcended into hashtag every man is now guilty too movement. And what we saw over the last uh, week, 10 days, going on with the Senate Judiciary Committee, especially the Democrats going after Kavanaugh, and I don't want to make this political, but the fact of the matter is it has become political. It has transcended now the feminist movement into politics, into unabated attacks on men, into this nonsensical term toxic masculinity every way we look as alpha males as men as uh, as boys we are all under attack by a relatively small percentage of women in this country the feminists and what we've witnessed this week where people stomping up and down and crying and marching and 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 walking into restaurants and elevators. Look at me when I'm talking. Look at me. I I, I suffered. I was sexually abused. Well, my answer is I feel badly that you were. But this has no, your case has no bearing on what we are discussing. Just because you were sexually abused or you were in some way, shape, or form attacked, that doesn't mean that every man is guilty. We must look at it at a case-by-case basis. Now, as you know, I'm the foremost authority on alpha male pleasure maneuvers. And, of course, as the alpha male in chief, I make sure that our voices, our collective alpha male voices, are heard. I stand up for men. I stand up for males. And what I've seen the last couple of weeks is just ludicrous. People, women have lost their minds. Even men. I'm seeing the results of the feminist movement on these wussified, nadless boys and men, boys that start off as wussified boys and become wussified adult men. And we're seeing them jumping up and down and rallying, and we must believe her, and we must, this is a tragedy, we must believe her. Why do we have to believe someone? Let us look at the evidence. And the evidence 
that has been presented, and my feeling was, and I stated this, I think, last week or the week before, let's hear what Christine Blasey Ford has to say. She's making this accusation. Great. She also stated that she had witnesses. Let's hear what they had to say. By the same token, Brett Kavanaugh has the right to defend himself, to stand up for himself, to refute the charges or the allegations being made against him. And it's very simple. The fact is that the four people that Christine Blasey Ford, or Blasey Ford, however you want to talk. Let me talk like Christine Blasey Ford. Oh, um, I, I have four witnesses, but maybe, maybe they forgot they were there. The four witnesses all said, no, we don't remember Brett Kavanaugh. We weren't at this party. Did not happen. But that's not good enough for the feminists. Not good enough for the Democrats. Because this isn't just about toxic masculinity, that nonsensical statement. This isn't just about the fact that they want to go after Kavanaugh. This is about they disagree with the fact that President Trump has the right to nominate the Supreme Court selection of his choice. And a, the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate, can go ahead and approve, their, provide their consent, and vote on allowing Kavanaugh to become a Supreme Court justice. They don't want the court tilt to shift. Period. That's what it boils down to. But what we're seeing now is an unabated, outrageous attack on men. When the feminist movement began 50 years ago, what did they say? The first thing they said is, we don't need a man. We don't need a man. We want equal rights. Now, granted, here we are 50 years later. Can anyone really say that women are being discriminated against? Let's look at the empirical evidence. The majority of college graduates are women. The majority of graduates in post, uh, uh, post-undergraduate degrees, master's degrees, PhDs, doctoral degrees, attorneys, lawyers, are women. Women today can own companies, become CEOs. There's no limit on what they can achieve. Nobody's keeping them down. Nobody's saying you have to stay around the, in the white picket fence in the house. You can't leave the house. Nobody's saying that. There are more opportunities for women today in the broadcasting industry in which I'm involved. I will tell you there are more women today that are running radio and television stations and in major executive positions than ever before. Probably more than men. I mean, there are two major broadcast companies that I can think of, two of which uh, uh, broadcast companies Beasley Broadcasting and Cumulus uh, Media. We have affiliates on both of those both of those groups, both run by women. CEOs are women. No problem. Nobody's saying, oh, we have to put a limit on how many women can, uh, can serve as CEOs. Nobody says that. Nobody says, I'm not going to vote for a woman because uh, she's a woman. Nobody says, I'm not going to go see that physician or go to that attorney because she's a woman. It's nonsense. It is complete, utter, ridiculous nonsense. Women today are in the best position they've ever been in. There are no limits. There is no glass ceiling. That is nothing more than a fabricated term that the feminists need to continue their their crusade, which is exactly what it is against men. So they've gone from, we don't need a man, to now we must castrate men. We must de-emasculate men. They've gone from, We want equal rights 
to we want superior rights. And that's really what it boils down to today. I always get a kick out of, out of uh, especially feminists. They all are for we want equal rights. We want to be treated the same. Yet you take a woman out, and I've never t- I don't take ultra nutcase feminists. That I don't do. But I've got friends of mine that have said, oh, yeah, I took this woman out. She proclaimed for the whole dinner. She was a radical feminist, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just end the date right there? He said, well, but when the check came, all of a sudden, they weren't feminists anymore. They wanted me to pick up the check. No more equal rights. No, 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 no. I had to pick up the check, meaning they had to pick up the check. So what the feminist movement has gone from we don't need a man to basically we must castrate men. We want equal rights to we want superior rights. And what they want to do is essentially now they want to wussify and sissify every American male that is born, period, and every male adult male. This is transcended. It has gone from an equal rights movement now into politics, into the justice system. And now all of a sudden, when you see these people that are jumping up and down in these protesters, there was a protester earlier this week in the Capitol, and she was wearing a shirt, T-shirt, with the slogan, Men Are Trash. Now, think about that for Men are trash. That's a blanket statement. All men are trash. This is how radical, how ludicrous, how nuts they are. It is absurd. Can you imagine if a man said, all women are trashy whores? What would happen? Oh, this is outrageous. How can you do that? But when this woman wears a a shirt that says men are trash, I'm sorry. That's nonsense. Men are trash. Nothing could be further from the truth. It is ridiculous, but this is how radical they've become. And the person that was wearing it was a 22 year old Georgetown Law School student. And of course, all these other women are telling this person, oh, that's great. I love it. Where can I get it? We believe Christine Ford. Never mind. If you're a law student, what's the first thing you ought to be? Hey, listen, everyone's uh, innocent until proven guilty. You know, why don't we look at the facts first? But they are not interested in that in any way, shape, or form. Now, when we come back, and by the way, Bette Midler also had a she, she came out with a tweet that I saw a couple of days ago that just floored me, uh, trying to make a point about women in a very provocative way. And even women, this has backfired on her. And she said, I'm going to quote here. This is the tweet. Women are the N-word of the world. Raped, beaten, enslaved, married off, worked like dumb animals, denied education and inheritance, enduring the pain and danger of childbirth and life in silence for thousands of years. They're the most disrespected creatures on earth. Really? Men, uh, women, women are, are the most disrespected creatures on earth? I would say that's absolute nonsense. And by the way, the last time I looked, people that go to see her concerts, where she is raking in millions and millions every year, probably worth in excess of $40, $50 million. Do you think women are the only ones that go to, buy, uh, that go to her concerts, that buy her, her CDs or, or, or attend her concerts? No, it's men too. This is just complete absurdity. When we come back, I will give you an example of Lindsey Graham. Now, here was a guy that was a total wussified beta. I mean, I've got to tell you, Lindsey Graham at the bottom of my list in terms of men and senators I respected. He was John McCain's lapdog. Went after Trump, just kind of a total wussy. But something has happened in Lindsey Graham, and I will share it with you 
when we continue. The a war on men, the attack on men, shall not continue. And as your alpha male in chief, we will make sure it is defeated. I believe in equal rights for men. I believe in equal rights for women. Equal rights, not superior for one or the other. But this nonsense, this attack on men and on masculinity will not stand. We will put an end to it. The Cigar Dave Officers Club selection this month is an A.J. Fernandez sampler, including the Bellas Artes Toro. This Spanish box press beauty is decadent in flavor and aroma and will spoil your palate with notes of cream, white pepper, cinnamon, and orange peel. Want these cigars shipped directly to you each month? Log on to CigarDave.com to join the Officers Club. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Continuing attacking the feminists that are attacking men. There's an absolute war on men. Me too is hashtag me too has gone to hashtag every man is guilty too. Lindsey Graham, and by the way, when I see these protesters crying and screaming and just, you know, going crazy in the Capitol, I look at myself and say, you know, this is what happens. This is the product of a soft generation. This is what happens when you coddle kids, when you tell them they're great, when everybody gets a participation trophy, then they're entitled. And they think, they look at these senators and say, you have to vote the way I want. And they're like, this is a democracy. We are the majority. No, this is a constitutional republic. Apparently, they didn't learn that in grade school or high school. But one of these senators who has astonished me in this whole process, Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. Lindsey Graham was John McCain's bosom buddy. And basically, whatever John McCain did, that's what Lindsey Graham did. But something has happened. Something has transformed in Lindsey Graham all of a sudden, he has discovered, he's discovered that he has nads. He looked down and said, I got balls. This is a soundbite from the Atlantic Festival earlier this week, talking about the Christine Blasey Ford uh, and the Kavanaugh uh, uh, hearing with editor, uh, Atlantic editor Jeffrey Goldberg as the moderator. The bottom line is I know what can happen to a woman who comes forward in a political environment. Dr. Ford, I thought, was treated respectfully by Ms. Mitchell. 
I'm glad she did it. She was boring. Boring's okay. So <clears throat> I've been a prosecutor most of my a defense attorney and judge before I got in this business. For every woman that comes forward, God knows how many never say a word and take it to their grave. Sometimes people are accused of something they didn't do. So President Trump went through a factual rendition that I didn't particularly like, and I would tell him, knock it off. You're not helping. But it can be worse. You can actually kill somebody's cat and puncture their tires to get them to shut up. So, uh, you know, what he said? I don't even understand what that means. Well, you don't remember Kathleen Willie and Juanita Broderick, so you don't. I do. Well, I, I don't remember the thing about the cat. But what, yeah. what's the point? Well, what's the, her what's cat the point? Was, the, po the point is that Donald Trump could have said something even worse, so we no, should be the, thankful. No, the point is that we've come a long way. We've okay. come a long way all right. since 1990. All right, all right, all right. It's fine. It's no, fine. No, wait no. a minute. Whether you like it or not, I really don't care. Here's the point. I have seen what happened to these women in 1998. It came forward. I don't like what the president said last night. I'm the first person to say, I want to hear from Dr. Ford. I thought she was handled respectfully. I thought Kavanaugh was treated like crap. Yeah, well, boo yourself. Here's what all I right, All right, uh, look, so, I'm gonna so, ask listen, you, I'm gonna ask you to please be but, respectful but of this conversation it, so we can have the conversation, that's thank right. you. That's right, I have nothing, I really believe that Brett Kavanaugh is not a gang rapist, a sexual predator, or a stumbling, bumbling drunk. Lindsey Graham, well, shut up yourself or boo yourself. I can't believe it. It's like he is a different man. He looked down, looked south, and said, geez, I got balls. Maybe I'm going to use them. He's starting to act like an alpha male, starting to, and I said, I tweeted out, I said, I've got newfound respect for Lindsey Graham, especially at the Kavanaugh hearing when he was very, he was rational, he was, and, and made a clear statement on what the nonsense that was going on. Somebody had to call it out. So we are at a point now where all of a sudden men, and this is very dangerous, a very dangerous slope, all of a sudden men are guilty until proven innocent. And let me tell you, this has backfired on the Democrats because I've talked to umpteen women saying, hey, my husband could get accused of this, my brother, my son, my nephew, friends, this is nonsense. And all of a sudden when you've got rational women now, the majority of women saying, hey, this has now gone too far, and all of a sudden you're saying you're going to believe somebody without looking at the evidence, it's not going to sit very well. Democrats overplayed their hand. Alpha male, Lindsey Graham, who would have thought? The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. Gurkha has just launched three new cigars at the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water in Buffalo. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold. All three unique flavor profiles. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, more traditional, mild, and creamy cigar, typically found in many of the high-end Dominican cigars. Exquisite flavor, very velvety on the palate, featuring an Ecuadorian De Florado wrapper. The Gurkha Marquesa, very Cuban-esque all the way around from flavor and packaging with an earthy Sumatra wrapper. Gurkha Marquesa is a bold, well-balanced, medium-bodied and spicy cigar. The Gurkha Ghost Gold, a little different than the regular Gurkha Ghost, more flavor, a little bit bolder, featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Instead of a sweet flavor on the Gurkha Ghost, it's a more nutty and earthy 
profile. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold. Three new cigars just launched by Gurkha. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, Cigar Oktoberfest is officially underway. We celebrate cigars and we celebrate beer the entire month of October, thus Cigar Oktoberfest. So I wanted to select a beer to kind of an authentic beer from München from Munich, the home of Oktoberfest, where it all began way, way back. And we'll get more into the history uh, towards the end of the month when we do a full live beer tasting maneuver cigar Oktoberfest edition of the Cigar Dave Show. But from München comes a product of Germany. It is the Hafbrau Oktoberfest Bier. Trying to be very German. Hafbrau Oktoberfest Bier. Everything they say, it just sounds like uh, harsh. Good morning! Yeah! Auf Wiedersehen! Everything is very harsh. But the Hafbrau München, this is a Munich specialty, brewed according to the German purity laws. And there are various laws that we will get into. But this is a very nice Oktoberfest-style beer. 6.3% alcohol by volume that I will enjoy. But before we get to that... Before I get to the brewski, we have to find a great cigar. And I need a cigar that will pair perfectly. And I have just the cigar that comes from the Cigar Dave September 2018 Officers Club. It is the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. Now included in the October, correction, the September selection was a Rocky Patel 15th anniversary, a Rocky Patel Royale, a real gem, and the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. First cigar produced in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory called Tavacusa. It uses a very lovely, highly sought-after Mexican San Andreas wrapper. As a sweet Connecticut broadleaf binder, rich Nicaraguan fillers together, they deliver a medium to full-bodied spicy experience. More on the medium-bodied side, medium-medium-plus, but this will go beautifully with my Hafbrau Oktoberfeist beer. Yeah? Jawohl! Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Well, let's see. I've got a number of various... Cutters and accoutrements. I think I'm going to use my self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine. Now, this is a smaller one. This is almost uh, got a little leather pouch. I can't remember where I got this, but that will do the job. In fact, this only will go to about a 56 ring gauge. So the bigger ring gauge size cigars will not work, but this will work beautifully. Nice little portable guillotine cutter. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, just like Oktoberfest dates back way, 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 way back 
I will be, this is, actually goes back to right around the 1800s, early 1800s. They didn't have the SST-style butane lighters back then. So I'm going to use the oldest way to light cigars, or light anything for that matter, the old-fashioned match. little uh, match that I will use, but I've got the cigar matches. I actually got these over from the Davidoff Store Lounge here in the Cigar City of Tampa. They're about uh, three and a half, four, probably four inches in length. Nice cedar strip. That's what I would use today to light my Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. All I needed was one shot. Now I'm going to light my match here. Houston, we have a problem. Oh, I know why. Helps if I didn't get the match soggy. That never works. It's not a good idea to get the get the match soggy. Here we go. There we go. Got that. Okay, now what I do is with a cigar match, what you want to do is angle it down. Right around a 45-degree angle. That way the flame travels up. I will now post the foot of this beautiful Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. I love the Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Can't go wrong. All right, puff and rotate. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Mm. Okie dokie. Hmm. Take a little blow on the foot of the cigar here. Just need one more touch-up. Hmm. Nice flavor. Great draw. Hmm. Outstanding. So, my Rocky Vitale hmm, Vintage 2006 San Andreas is a beautiful cigar. I'll tell you, the, all the three cigars... In the September 2018 Officers Club selection, fantastic. The Rocky Patel Royale, really a hidden gem. Just some uh, nice, just rife with flavor complexity. Espresso and chocolate notes. And the Rocky Patel 15th anniversary really is a robust masterpiece. So I know you will enjoy the Rocky Patel Officers Club selection for September. We've got some great cigars coming from A.J. Fernandez in October. If you're not a member of the Officers Club, go to CigarDave.com. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. And now, as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest, I've got the cigar component lit. Now I need the Oktoberfest component to go along with Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go... Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, we all, uh, listen, I'm, I'm happy to uh, smoke two cigars. I mean, I'll, I'll light up three. Actually, you're going to run. Sergeant Steve, you can run that lighter two more times because I've got the 50th anniversary and i got the Rocky Patel Royale, so I can light all three. Uh, believe me, no problem. But I've got my Hofbrau Oktoberfeist beer. Now, this is the... This is where it all began, back in München, and this is a very nice-looking uh, bottle. I picked this up. There's a lot of beer, uh, different beverage stores now that have huge selections of single bottles. Before, you'd have to buy the six-pack, the four-pack, whatever the case is. No longer. So this is an homage to the Weizen, which is the festival, uh, the, the Oktoberfest festival. So when you think of Oktoberfest, what do you think of? You think of those big, robust German women 
showing their ample decolletage and racagiel area. They're, they're, they're heifers. They're hefty, those women in German. And just like that, this Hofbrau October Feistbier, a medium to full-bodied bottom-fermented special, specialty beer, Got some nice uh, hoppiness to it, so let me open this bad boy up nice and chilled. Here we go. Let's see. There we go. Now, I also discovered the proper way you want the foam to come up because you want some of that carbonization to release. Everybody thinks, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do it. Nope. You want to pour it right into that glass. Let that carbonation, because otherwise, if you don't, that, that giant foamy head... And all that uh, that gas, that'll get trapped in your stomach. You don't want that. So actually, you want that nice foamy head. This has got nice aroma to it. Definitely some hoppiness to it. A little yeastiness to it. All right. I will say a very nice, deep gold color to it. We'll say, say cheers on that. Still got that big foamy head on it. So here we go. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Got a little bit of hoppiness to it. It's not a sweet beer. Let me just take another sip here. Yeah, got a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of sourness towards the back of the palate. Definitely hoppy, but not overly hoppy. I would say on the international bitterness units, this has got to be probably in the 25, 28 area. It's nice. Has that nice gold hue, uses a light barley malt, a Munich malt. Very nice. And the hop varieties are Hercules, 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 Pearl, Magnum, and Select. 6.3% alcohol by volume. It is available from mid-July until the end of September, right around the end of Oktoberfest in Germany. Take another sip. Mm. Very nice. And as I do, let me remind you that in the next hour, we have got Larry Bell from Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo, Michigan, one of the incredibly successful craft brewers in the United States. Their beers are available in about, I think, 35, 40 states, pretty much the entire country. And I was able to find them without problem here in the Cigar City of Tampa. So we'll be talking with Larry as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. Now, when I come back, there are a couple of people that we have to pay tribute to that passed away. One, a major general in the U.S. Army. Interesting story. And another man that we really need to pay homage to, and I'll tell you why. When the Cigar Dave Show continues front and center as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. Cigar Dave Officers Club members receive fabulous cigars each and every month, and I am pleased to tell you for September 2018, no exception. I got together with Rocky Patel, and we created the Rocky Patel Acclaimed Cigar Sampler because all three cigars in the September 2018 selection are award-winning. Starting off with the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary, a robust masterpiece. 
Then you'll enjoy the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas, the first cigar produced in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory with a very sought-after Mexican San Andrean wrapper. Finally, you'll enjoy the Rocky Patel Royale, a hidden gem. The Royale is rife with flavor and complexity. The September 2018 Officers Club selection featuring the Rocky Patel acclaimed cigar sampler. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club now. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. The General has determined that enemies of pleasure are hazardous to your happiness. For your protection and sanity, they've been vaporized. Ah, this half brow October Feist beer. Very delicious, cool and refreshing. I go off of my Rocky Vertel Vintage 2006 San Andreas. Very nice combo. Nice pairing. And uh, we'll be enjoying some great beers from Bell's Brewing in the next hour. Larry Bell. The founder of Bell's Brewing, a uh, very well-known, highly regarded craft brewer in the United States, will be our guest as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. And we've got some great interviews and guests lined up from the world of beer over the next three, four weeks. I want to pay tribute to uh, two men. First of all, a very interesting story behind this next gentleman, Major General Sidney Shacknow who survived three years in a Nazi concentration camp, deployed twice to the jungles of Vietnam. He was the top U.S. Army officer in Berlin at the end of the Cold War. And along the way, he became a legendary Special Forces officer, revered by many of the Green Berets, passed away in uh, Southern Pines, uh, South Carolina, uh, earlier this week. Major General Shacknow was 83. Incredible legacy that I wanted to share with you. And when you look at a picture of General Shacknow, he looks like, if you look at the movie, uh, and I'm trying to remember, it was, there was a whole bunch of movies with Charles Bronson and, Sergeant Steve, you can look this up while I talk about General Shacknow, but there were some movies, I think it, uh, uh, with uh, Charles Bronson and, uh, it was Globus Films, I remember, uh, that produced those movies. And there was an actor that played one of the old generals, and he looked just like him. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if the character was based off General Shacknow. 
and I don't know if it was on Radon and Tebby or what it was, or there was one of those movies where they're in in uh, Lebanon. See if you can look that up. But uh, I can see the actor's name. He's got silver hair. Just really had this incredible look, and that's just General Shaq now came right out of central casting. I mean, the guy looked the part of being a special forces Green Beret general. Interesting story. General Shaq now was born in Lithuania in 1934, faced oppression in his homeland, found his calling in the U.S. Army when he immigrated to America in 1950. He enlisted in the military in 1955, served for more than 39 years, including 32 in the Special Forces area. Top posts included leadership of the JFK John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School, the U.S. Army Special Forces Command at Fort Bragg, and the U.S. Army Berlin in Germany. He came up through the ranks from a private to major general, and even in his retirement, he remained committed to the Special Forces Regiment, serving in a, vol- a variety of volunteer roles, number of boards, and provided guidance, counsel to commanders uh, over the years. And survived by his wife, four daughters, and uh, just a incredible, incredible story. He was six years old. He was among thousands of Jews held prisoner at the Kovno concentration camp near Conus, Lithuania. He lived in the concentration camp for more than three years before being liberated. And if you don't think that that had an effect on Major General Shacknow and obviously his views towards freedom and uh, the mission of the U.S. Army, then think again. And just absolutely incredible. And uh, he said... um, After he was finished with the concentration camp experience, he was very cynical about people. He didn't trust people. I thought there's a dark side to people. If you leave things to people, they'll probably uh, screw things up. But clearly, as he volunteered, went into the Army, certainly things change. And what is incredible, after moving to the United States, moved to Massachusetts, dropped out of school to enlist in the Army despite hardly being able to speak English. So absolutely incredible story. So to Major General Sidney Shacknow, a snappy salute. Rest in peace, sir, and we thank you for your service. An incredible story. Now, on a lighter side, a legendary Italian playboy, Maurizio Zanfanti. I want to make sure I pronounce that correctly. Maurizio Zanfanti, dubbed the Romeo of Rimini, claimed to have slept with more than six thousand women after becoming famous as a nightclub promoter in the Italian beach city in the 1970s. He was a legendary playboy, passed away at the age of 63. But as Ron Popeil would say, but wait, there's more. Now, how did Maurizio Zanfanti, playboy extraordinaire, slept with 6,000 women? How do you think he died. You want to take a guess? The way that every man would like to go. Sleeping with a hot dame. He died while having sex with a 23-year-old tourist. And I've got to say to him, congratulations. Job well done, Maurizio. 6,000 dames. You go to the big bedroom in the sky while banging a 23-year-old, a woman 40 years younger, bravo. Now, I'm clapping, but there's a story that I will get to about that because I may very well have 
sparked some uncomfortable thoughts and I could maybe have triggered a number of people, and I'll get to that momentarily. But Mauricio Zanfanti, he was entertaining, meaning he was stooping, a young 23-year-old tourist from Romania in the back of a car Tuesday night when he suffered a fatal heart attack. The shock woman called paramedics, uh, paramedics, but Zanfanti could not be revived. They called him Italy's most successful lover. The Il Resto del Calino newspaper said Zanza died after doing what he did best. The mayor of Rimini said Italy has lost, and I quote, a legend of the night. He started his career at age 17 in 1972 while working for a nightclub called Blow Up, and his job was to chat with German and Scandinavian tourists, persuade them to come inside, and... uh, The rest, as they say, is history. And he claims to once have seduced a French journalist who was interviewing him. In his final interview with a German newspaper, he announced his retirement and said, at 59, I'm getting too old for it. But apparently at 63, he was not too old to stup. And friends said that's exactly the way he would want to go while conducting horizontal fornication Pleasure maneuvers. So rest in peace. A little different story than General Sidney Shack now, but rest in peace. Maurizio Zanfanti, 63, claims to have sex with 6,000 women. Mazel tov to him. Now, I told you about, I was clapping about Maurizio's endeavors. Well, if I went to Manchester University, I could be arrested. And the reason being, the Manchester University Student Union has banned clapping and cheering in favor of what they call jazz hands. Reps at the University of Manchester voted to replace noisy appreciation, you know, clapping like this, with the British Sign Language equivalent, a wave of both hands. Union officer Sarah Khan said traditional clapping can cause issues for students with sensory issues, deafness or autism, under the new measures The jazz hands clapping will be used at student events such as debates, panels, and talks. Ms. Khan, the union's liberation and access officer, said clapping can discourage some from attending democratic events. And she said jazz hands encourage an environment of respect. And I'm quoting here, I think a lot of the time, even in parliamentary debates, I've seen that clapping, whooping, talking over each other, loud noises, encourages an atmosphere that is not as respectful as it could be. And they wanted to make their events more inclusive. Now, again, here we are in a college environment, and this is a perfect example. This is Exhibit A of the soft generation. Give them a safe space because clapping can trigger people. We can't have that. Now, I understand when you're at a debate or other things, when I see people hollering and clapping, that's not appropriate. You need a moderator to say there will be no applause and to cut it. That I understand. But come on. For performances, for other speeches, clapping, cheering, and all of a sudden they're going to get triggered. This is exactly what I have stated. The current generation, they are soft. They need their safe spaces. This is what happens when everyone gets a participation trophy and everyone is a winner. It does not work. Our country has become soft. No ifs, ands, or buts. 
Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show. We continue celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest. Larry Bell of Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo joins us next. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. Well, I am properly ready for Cigar Oktoberfest Pleasure Maneuvers. And we've got a fantastic guest that will join us momentarily as we celebrate two of life's great pleasures, especially for alpha males, cigars and beers. And I have got three great beers from Bell's Brewing from uh, Comstock, Michigan, that are right in front of me that we will be enjoying, the Bell's Two-Hearted Ale, the Bell's Best Brown Ale, and the last one that I cannot wait to get to, the Bell's Kalamazoo Stout that is brewed with Brewer's Licorice. I cannot wait to sample these and get to our guest. We celebrate beers the entire month of October. I know Oktoberfest ends this weekend in Germany, but again, why call it Oktoberfest if they celebrate it in September? And we welcome you back front and center, the general and global alpha male and chief front and center from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. Don't forget, go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. Follow me on social media. Also, you can get all the replays and be sure to download the Cigar Dave mobile app. You can listen to the Cigar Dave Show 24-7, 365. Never miss a minute of Alpha Male Pleasure Maneuvers. It is my delight, my pleasure to welcome Larry Bell, the founder of Bell's Brewery up in Comstock, actually Kalamazoo, Michigan. They also have a brewery in Comstock, Michigan. Larry, it is a delight to have you. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show. Hello. Great to be here. Now, Larry, interesting. So, first of all, I've got to thank Exo Tim, uh, who set up the uh, the the uh, introduction, because Exo Tim was up, I believe, catching the Syracuse game, if I'm not mistaken, about uh, three weeks ago or so, and spent some time over at the brewery and uh, said, "Hey, you got to talk to Larry. He loves cigars, great beer." And I said, "I'd love to have Larry on, and it's a great story." So, tell us about how you began, because really, you started as the Kalamazoo Brewing Company in 1983 as a home brewing supply store. Well, yeah, it was Kalamazoo uh, Brewery Supply. So it was just a little uh, homebrew store and uh, to kind of uh, uh, help facilitate my, uh, my home brewing habit and then kind of have an outlet to, uh, to uh, try and sell stock to unsuspecting people who came into my store for starting the brewery. So, um, you know, I basically, I started the brewery with $200 that my mother sent to me for my birthday in 1983. And, uh, the homebrew store opened in 83 and then the brewery opened in September of 85. So we just had our 33rd, uh, anniversary of selling beer. 
So that that's incredible. You start with two hundred bucks. I mean, talk about uh, American entrepreneurial dream. And so you start as a home brewing supply. How did you get into beer and home brewing initially? You know, uh, my dad was a home winemaker, and um, I guess uh, you know when I was seventeen, my big brother sent me a ticket to go down to Washington D.C. Uh, for my high school graduation, and he snuck me into a bar called the Brickskeller Saloon. And you take um, your beer cans home, and that opened my eyes to the great variety of beer that's out there. You know, I grew up in Illinois. I came to college in Michigan. There were different beers available, Canadian beers and things you got to try. And uh, one of my classmates introduced me to Guinness Stout and... Then after school, uh, after college, I started working at a small European-style bakery in Kalamazoo uh, with yeast and grains. And one day, one of my fellow bakers invited me over to his house for some homebrew. And he opened up the bottle in the sink, and it foamed all over, and it really wasn't very good. And But then I thought, you know, he's not that great of a baker, and I bet I could do better. And I wound up moving into a house in uh, January of 1980 with three other guys who liked beer and uh, it had become legal, and I went out and bought a kit and started brewing beer in the basement. And, um, and you know, I was kind of watching what was happening out on the West Coast. Uh, Sierra opened uh, that year in 1980. I think 1982, the Real Ale Company o- opened in Chelsea, Michigan. I spied on them and kind of figured that whole trend would move east, and which, of course, it did, and... Uh, so, you know, I was positioned to open up early and, and uh, try and get in on, on what was happening then. So you had never really had any experience in brewing or anything. You just figured, okay, I think I can do this better, and you kind of gave a stab at it. Well, I took a class. Uh, Bill Newman in uh, Albany, New York, he had the William S. Newman Brewing Company, and Bill offered a class in uh, small commercial brewery operations. And there were about, I think, about 40 people overall that took the class. The only two that I know that actually started a brewery that took the class are myself and Mark Stutrud of Summit Brewery in the Twin Cities. But, um, you know, going, you got to work in a brewery and see. I visited other small breweries, talked my way into brew houses, um, you know, went and consulted down at Siebel, joined the United States Brewers Association, and kind of, you know, tried to get, uh, know a little bit more about the industry. And so tell us your first beers that you brewed. How did they turn out? <laughs> well, you know, I'm brewing in a soup pot and fermenting in plastic garbage pails. So we had one that was simply called Bell's Beer. And then the next beer was Great Lakes Amber Ale. And our Amber Ale is still, that's our number three seller in the company. That's been there for a long time. Um, you know, quality uh, back in the day was not the greatest. Um, and I copied Newman because I didn't have money uh, really to, to be buying lots of bottles or anything. In fact, I couldn't buy bottles. Um, so we sold beer in what's called a cubitainer. That's what Newman was doing. So it's a medium-density, collapsible polyethylene bag with a spigot on it that you put in a cardboard box. Uh, you know, the locals, Lunatic Larry down by the railroad tracks selling beer in a bag in a box. Um, and then bottles, 
I had a license to sell other people's beer. So we would sell like Huber beer out of Wisconsin, really cheap. And with the Michigan bottle deposit, I'd sell it for just over cost, but then people would return the bottles and we would wash them. We'd soak the labels off and we'd wash, sterilize, rinse, fill, cap, label, everything by hand to sell bottled beer. So really, you kind of did everything on the cheap. I mean, it wasn't a you know, big operation. And so tell us, how long did you really have to go in? Were you in that stage until things really starting to started to grow and people started to really accept your beer your, where you could really you know, kind of take it to the next level? Well, we had, um, we had this 15-gallon soup pot for a couple months, and then I made a deal on one some old uh, – industrial soup kettles so we had a one barrel system for five years the last year that we had that we made a thousand barrels of beer before we could get a 15 barrel system so it was in the early 90s then we probably start to turn the corner and actually uh, become a profitable company and things were starting just starting to catch on a little bit uh, in the midwest as far as craft beer is concerned and that was about what year was was that? Like around 1988? No, 85? I'm saying 91, 92. Oh, 91, 91, 92. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So 91, 92, so you start growing. And what was, uh, and you said what your first beer was, was your Amber Ale? It was just called Bell's Beer. It was really Bell's just beer. A, light, that was it. a light pale ale. Yeah. And then when but did then you start, it, go ahead. You know, but, um, you know, in the in the late 80s, we were making different stuff. So actually, um, you know, we start making some stouts, Kalamazoo Stout, Porter. Uh, in 1988, we made our first cherry stout, uh, Great Lakes Cherry Stout. And I actually had a bottle of that original batch last week at the Rare Beer Tasting, uh, at the Pints for Prostates Rare Beer Tasting in Denver. We auctioned that off, and I shared that with the winner. So it was 30 year old bottle of, of beer. It was pretty interesting. Larry Bell, the founder of Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo, Michigan, our guest. Uh, Larry, when did things really start to, because at, at, at that time your beer was primarily distributed just what in the Kalamazoo area or in Michigan, Michigan. I think we started selling, um, in, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, about 89, 90, uh, Chicago about 90 and into Indiana, but, you know, I was driving, you know, a lot of that was being driven, uh, by the brewery, by me or somebody else into Chicago. I mean, even in Michigan, you know, we started, I used to drive all over the place delivering beer to get it out there and be sold. So, um, brewed it and you, you delivered it. You kind of did everything. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and and at that point, when did things start really expanding, going from just kind of Michigan to then Wisconsin? When did things really start to kind of blossom and really start to explode? Oh, you know, probably uh, 92 to 94, things really start to go. Um, and, um, you know, uh, started having uh, wholesalers that wanted to pick up the beer. So, um, and in fact, some of the things that you've seen recently happened to us way back when, like we were shipping beer to Virginia and all of a sudden Michigan finally figures out what's going on. And we had to, we had to stop shipping to Virginia in the nineties so we could take care of Michigan. 
Um, no, you know, eventually we got back to Virginia, but, um, you know, yeah, things really start going there. And, uh, in, uh, 1993, we become the first brewery in Michigan to sell beer by the glass to the public. I got the law changed to allow basically brew pub legislation. And if you go to that legislation, that's what really explodes things in the state of Michigan for new breweries opening. Where now all of a sudden you can sell the beer right at the brewery instead of having to ship it to a distributor where people really, you know, couldn't sample it right at the brewery. Because there is, I think there is a, a, a romance with being able to go where the brewery is, see the brewery and, and, and experience the beers and maybe some special beers that you can't just buy where you can do all sorts of sampling and really get into that uh, brewery environment. I think there's something very uh, romantic about it. Oh, absolutely. People love being able to touch it. So, you know, our first year, eight years of existence, we couldn't sell beer by the glass at the brewery. We could sell it to go. We could give it away for free, which is what we did. But, you know, people don't remember that, that that's the past. Of course, everybody thinks you have a brewery, you have a bar room, you have a tap room. That wasn't the case back when I started. Yeah, and what's interesting is a lot of these states now have all figured it out. Same thing in Florida uh, and many other states. They're like, hey, wait a minute. This is actually good for tourism. This is good for business, good for tax revenue. We need to kind of you know, get into the 21st century. And uh, I know the same thing here with uh, Cigar City Brewing. Joey Redner was the same deal. Uh, they were able to finally open a, a pub, a tap room, right at their brewery and people come from all over the place just like people come from across the country when they're in uh, Kalamazoo to check out uh, your brewery yeah the, the one place I think that that maybe we've got an issue uh, not only in Michigan but across the country is you have people that are set, setting up now fake breweries so they've got a licensed microbrewery and now they set some other place up with a five gallon homebrew kit where they never brew and they just ship it there so they become they kind of uh, they're fake brewery. Um, right. and I don't think that that's not what the intent of our whole industry was. And it's certainly causing some strife with our wholesale partners and with, uh, uh, our restaurant and traditional restaurant and bar partners. And that's one of the things that we're seeing legislation, uh, in the various States coming out about now. And it, it does worry me because I worry about the big guys coming in and trying to do away with the three-tier system and buying up retail. So I think it's an interesting uh, pivotal point in our craft beer industry right now, how things are going to go. And we'll, we'll just stay tuned for that. Well, we've seen the big guys come in and acquire. They figured, okay, if we can't beat them, let's join them. And we're seeing Anheuser-Busch buying a lot of the craft breweries and so on. But, but I think there's still just people want – they like the fact that you, Larry, they – Chances are they could see you around. I know your daughter's the CEO. They can find you no, at I'm the, the brewery. I, I'm the CEO. Oh, you're the CEO. Or, I thought your daughter was the CEO. She decided it's not what she wanted to do, and she's left the company. Oh, she did? I did not realize that. So, Larry, yeah. you are the guy that if we see around you know, uh, around the brewery, there is a – people love that. There, the ability to say, hey, that's Larry Bell, the guy that actually started this whole thing. That's our brewer. This is the guy that we want to talk to. And I think that there is something very unique about that that you can't see at you know a Budweiser or a Miller. But when they go to Bell's Brewing, they have that ability to talk to you one-on-one -on -one and interact with you. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and we certainly, especially in the summertime, 
We certainly get a lot of that tourist trade, people coming up from Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, other spots, um, and they want to stop by the brewery and see it. And that's, you know, that's really important because they, they get to come see what your personality as a brewery is and, you know, uh, what that experience is. And, you know, we're always working on that, our tour program and uh, our beer program and uh, trying to treat those, those customers and consumers as best we possibly can. Larry Bell, the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery up in Michigan, several uh, breweries up there. Our guest, as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest, when we come back with Larry, we'll get into tasting some of uh, Bell's great products. I've got in front of me the Two-Hearted Ale, the Best Brown Ale, the Kalamazoo Stout, and then we'll talk about some of their other renowned beers as well as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. (laughs) That could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave. Gurkha has just launched three new cigars at the Cigar Dave Alpha Pleasure Fest on the water in Buffalo. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold. All three unique flavor profiles. The Gurkha Chateau Privé, more traditional, mild, and creamy cigar, typically found in many of the high-end Dominican cigars. Exquisite flavor, very velvety on the palate, featuring an Ecuadorian de Florida wrapper. The Gurkha Marquesa, very Cuban-esque all the way around from flavor and packaging with an earthy Sumatra wrapper. Gurkha Marquesa is a bold, well-balanced, medium-bodied, and spicy cigar. The Gurkha Ghost Gold, a little different than the regular Gurkha Ghost, more flavor, a little bit bolder, featuring an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. Instead of a sweet flavor on the Gurkha Ghost, it's a more nutty and earthy Profile: The Gurkha Chateau Privé, the Gurkha Marquesa, and Gurkha Ghost Gold. Three new cigars just launched by Gurkha. Celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest with Larry Bell, the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Two breweries up in Michigan. Their products available primarily most of the United States. Incredible story with their craft beer. And Larry, we were talking about your daughter. Apparently your daughter was CEO but said, Dad, this isn't for me. And you said, do what you want to do. Yep. So I'm a busy guy these days. I'm working a lot. It's all good. I'm having fun. I mean, when you look back to the days when you started it, when you were brewing and delivering it, and to today, where you're just so much bigger and obviously very successful, do you kind of look back and say, man, you know, I love where we are today, but I kind of miss those early days? Oh, no. Oh, no. Listen, <laughs> listen, we had no money. On Fridays, we would turn the heat up from 50 to 60 for, because we were going to have a lot of customers on Friday. But generally, we worked... We couldn't afford heat, so 50 degrees is what we had the brewery at. And, uh, you know, I got, I was sore back and bad knees and toes from those days, from all the terrible things I did to my body, uh, washing bottles and delivering and all. So, no, I don't, I don't, it was hard work. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad it it worked out for me, but I I don't want to go back there. 
Well, you know, there's a great picture of you right uh, on your website under the story uh, way back when you first started and, uh, you know, kind of doing everything. I mean, by the way, you were sporting those big mutton chops. They're coming back in style, Larry, just to let you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, except they're gray now. Uh, for me. Yeah, I don't want that. We've got some great pictures up there. I mean, you know, you guys are really small doing it all. And uh, I think that's part of the, you know, romance about about where you started and where you are today. And I think that's part of really what makes it unique and uh, the American dream story, starting with a 15-gallon soup kettle and then, you know, up to where you are today. Now, I have just opened up the first of the three Bell's beers that I was able to get. I've got the two-hearted ale, and it looks as though there is uh, got a nice-looking fish on the front there, and that uh, certainly is reminiscent of some great fishing in the Great Lakes. So tell me about the two-hearted ale, because the aroma of this thing is just incredible, almost citrusy-like. Yeah, yeah. so two-hearted is a single-hop IPA, uh, 7% alcohol, and it's all uh, centennial hops, and in fact... Uh, Bell's is the single largest purchaser of Centennial hops in the world. And uh, the great thing about Two Hearted is uh, the Centennial hops plus our yeast and the way we ferment it, it's sort of the equation where one plus one equals three um, because they, they work together so well. And when you smell that beer, you think it's all hops, but it's not really. There's a lot of... Uh, of yeast and from our fermentation schedule that goes into developing that, that aroma as well. And yeah, incredible aroma and the taste definitely hoppy. It's not overly bitter. It's not a sweet beer, but it's just got the right amount of that hoppiness. And uh, this goes great with a medium bodied cigar, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, you know, I think we sort of great lakes, Midwestern folks, we like malt and you know, it's an all malt beer and uh we like balance so um you know we're not using sugar in it to try and dry it out and drive more bitterness it's got a firm bitterness but it's not overdone and um it it just has that nice nice balance uh, beautiful all right larry bell of uh, bell's brewery up in michigan our guest celebrating cigar oktoberfest the two-hearted ale tasted fantastic much more tastings with larry around the corner October selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is an A.J. Fernandez sampler. Featuring the Enclave Broadleaf, this bold blend is accentuated by an earthy, full-flavored select Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper and fillers from Nicaragua. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. Cigar Dave Officers Club members receive fabulous cigars each and every month, and I am pleased to tell you for September 2018, no exception. I got together with Rocky Patel, and we created the Rocky Patel Acclaimed Cigar Sampler because all three cigars in the September 2018 selection are award-winning. Starting off with the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary, a robust masterpiece. Then you'll enjoy the Rocky Patel Vintage 2006 San Andreas, the first cigar produced in Rocky's Boutique Nicaraguan factory with a very sought-after Mexican San Andrean wrapper. Finally, 
you'll enjoy the Rocky Patel Royale, a hidden gem. The Royale is rife with flavor and complexity. The September 2018 Officers Club selection featuring the Rocky Patel acclaimed cigar sampler. Become a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club now. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club, $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. We celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest the entire month of October with cigars, with great beers, great guests, and I am pleased to welcome back Larry Bell, the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery in Kalamazoo, Michigan, with a brewery in Comstock, Michigan as well. Larry, uh, it has come to my attention that you are a cigar connoisseur in addition to being a brewer extraordinaire. Well, I don't know if I'm a connoisseur, but I certainly have a history with cigars, um, no doubt about that. Um, and you know, I remember my oldest brother, the aforesaid brother who snuck me into the bars when I was 17 back in the day, uh, him smoking Parodies. Oh, okay. Parodies, strong cigars, strong little cigars back in the day. You know, stick those little things way back in your mouth and puff on those. And then, um, you know, I probably... In my early years, I probably uh, really cut my cigar smoking teeth on Hoya de Nicaragua. Um, Great cigars. You know, pre-Sandinistas. Um, yep. That, that was always kind of my my cigar of choice. Not too expensive, but, you know, uh, a nice smoking cigar. And sort of a, it wasn't available in the States for a while when the whole Sandinista thing That's right. uh, went through. That's but, right. Uh, uh, I think they're still around in certain spots. They are, they're, no, they're very successful now. And what's interesting is they were the original Nicaraguan cigar before Nicaragua became a cigar mecca. And Hoy de Nicaragua was always uh, on par with the best Cuban cigars. And a little known fact when the Cubans had some tobacco mold issues, they secretly and very quietly purchased uh, cigar tobacco from Nicaragua to use in their cigars. That's how good the tobacco in Nicaragua was. And Hoya de Nicaragua, back in the day before the Sandinistas, phenomenal cigars. I mean, they were, you know, top shelf all the way. So clearly you got good taste, Larry. I mean, with, with those uh, pre-Sandinista uh, Hoya de Nicaraguas, no doubt about it. What do you, what do you enjoy smoking today? You know, I don't smoke as much today as I did. I, I had not lung cancer, but I had cancer 11 years ago. And so that, that slows you down a little bit uh, on, on some things. But, you know, so it's more special occasion. Now, I've go. got a trip. I got a trip planned to the Bahamas uh, coming up, and I'll be going over to Great Cliff. Uh, I certainly enjoy, uh, you know, smoking their cigars. There's And, of course, there's a soft spot in my heart for uh, – we're talking about two-hearted ale, and of course, the big two-hearted river is a story by Ernest Hemingway. So there's nothing like having a bottle of two-hearted ale and a Fuente short story, right? 
Larry, That's... you know more about cigars than you're leading on here. You got great taste with Fuente, <laughs> with Greycliff. And by the way, when you go to the Greycliff, Enrico and Paolo Gazzaroli are good friends. And uh, let me know because I'll make sure I get you right in there. Great food. Great, uh, you know, little, uh, uh, they, they roll some great cigars down there. It's a classic place down in Nassau. And the food's off the charts. I got engaged there once, you know, where the. the I got engaged would... there once. There is a story there, Larry. Well, I've been engaged a few times and, uh, you know, the ring was on, you know, the pre for the pre pre dinner cigar with a Madame like a cigar. And there was the ring on, you know, maybe she'd like this one. Well, what, how did that get there? I had it all arranged, you know? Aha. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you didn't go through with the, with the, uh, engagement to marriage. Oh yeah, yeah, but we don't need to get into all that. Let's no, just no, keep I it friendly, saying, shall we? Uh, there, <laughs> there you go. Well, let me know. I'll, I'll talk to Paolo and Enrico. We'll get you right in there, no problem. Larry, what is the number one selling beer that uh, Bell's Brewery makes? Well, it is Two Hearted Ale, and um, you know, for the second year in a row, Two Hearted was voted number one beer in the country by the readers of Zymergy Magazine, the members of the American. Homebrew Association. Our number two beer is our Oberon Ale, American Wheat Ale, and especially in Michigan in the in in summertime that be, becomes our number one beer. Really popular in Michigan and uh, Upper Midwest. And our Amber Ales are our number three. But then, you know, we're pretty. Um, we have a big portfolio. I know you do. So I know now. The, so uh, the Oberon Ale, which is an American Wheat Ale, that's only available seasonally. Uh, in most of our territory seasonally, it's available year-round in, in Florida, Southern California, Puerto Rico, um, places that it doesn't snow, we offer it year-round. Well, it was sold out, but otherwise, I would have definitely picked up a bottle, and uh, they're going to call me when it comes in. Let's talk about that Oberon, because, you know, when we talk about a wheat ale, it's got that, uh, you know, the connotations that it's very smooth, maybe a little bit of sweetness on the palate. Well, you know, Oberon for for summer ales still pretty firm. It's five point eight percent alcohol, and again, sort of our house yeast, our Bell's yeast is sort of naturally citrusy, and um, certainly people you'll see it served with an orange slice or maybe offered that way. Um, so you know, for summertime, it's it's pretty refreshing, bit citrusy. It's forty percent wheat malt. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was the number one beer. You know, people ask now, do you make a hazy beer? It's like, dude, I've been making a hazy beer since 1991. It's called Oberon, it, it, wheat ale. Really? You kids think you're the first ones to think of this? Um, <laughs> You've been around, Larry, right? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Um, right. So, and we have Oberon opening day. Uh, then, so in most of our territory in Michigan, it's like a national holiday in Michigan. Last year at our bar alone, we tapped 70 kegs of Oberon plus 12 kegs of Oberon variants. So like we make a mango habanero Oberon or we make Oberon, which is Oberon aged in whiskey barrels. Um, things like that. I thought an Oberon was going to be an Oberon in an Uber. You know, if you're driving along, you, you pour it in an Uber. You, that just kind of makes sense on that. You drink a couple Uberons, you'll be calling the Uber driver. I'll tell you <laughs> that. They're a little bit stronger. Hey, you've got a winter white ale also that is a seasonal beer. Tell me about that. That sounds uh, pretty unique. 
You know, it's it's let's call it uh, really it's like a Belgian Hefeweizen. Um, so it's not uh, it doesn't have coriander or orange peel. Um, it's, um, you know, nomenclature. People get worried about that sometimes. But uh, this beer is is great really year round. But we, we were looking for something in that wheat beer uh, phase when we don't have Oberon and, uh, you know, sometimes winter isn't just about drinking heavier beers. Sometimes you still want something light and flavorful. Um, and that's where winter white comes in. And we've got this, uh, uh, this Belgian yeast that gives off some clove and some of the phenolic flavors that you might associate more with a Hefeweizen. Very refreshing beer. I always take a couple of cases and keep them in the, beer fridge for summertime drinking as well all right next up i'm going to sample another seasonal beer it is your best brown ale i have just opened it up and as i open this up it's got a cool little owl on and by the way all your uh, the labels on all your packaging are very very unique very interesting very uh it really looks back to nature i mean you've got uh, the river you got the You've got, uh, there's an owl, there's the fish, a lot of uh, nature. Because when you think about Michigan, the Great Lakes, a lot of outdoorsy people, you know, people like the outdoors year-round. Well, absolutely. And, of course, both Two-Hearted and Oberon are literary references. Two-Hearted being the Hemingway reference, and Oberon is a Shakespeare reference uh, to A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Oberon is the king of the fairies uh, in that play, Uh in which I played the part in our sixth grade version of the play. So, uh, you know, nice. these things come from life. Uh, best Brown, we've been making Best Brown since uh, since the late 80s. So one of the old beers in our portfolio. And um, the recipe changed a little bit in the late 90s. I went and did some study at the at uh, Brew Lab at the University of Sunderland. Um, and, uh, came back and that's one of the things I went there to study and thinking about that recipe and changed a little bit. It, you know, it's a nice malty beer, um, uh, a little bit firmer as we get into the fall weather, um, not overly hopped really complements food very well as we get into this harvest season. Well, I'm taking a sip right now. First of all, the color on this is just a really... Just a dark, almost looks like a dark coffee. I will say cheers here. Hmm. Oh, I'm getting definitely some some dry cocoa on the palate. Nice. I, I'm not as full as I thought. You know, it's got that real, it's like a Maduro. It's got that dark-looking exterior. But when you taste it, it's actually very smooth. There's, there's very little bitterness, almost no bitterness whatsoever. Hey, so somebody gave me a box of cigars, La Vieja Habana. You know anything yes. about these? I've heard of them. Drew is Drew is state. Drew Estate. Uh huh. Yeah. They're they're yeah. very good cigars. Drew, uh, let me put. Drew is you and Drew are very similar in that you both love to create unique concoctions, whether it's beer or cigars. The La Vieja Habana cigar that was around for a long time uh, was kind of out of the market for a while, but it is back and uh, comes in th- a number of different. It comes in a Connecticut shade, a Corojo. That's what I have. Yeah. The, which one do you have? The Corojo or the C- Connecticut? Connecticut, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, that actually uses a lovely uh, Connecticut Shade wrapper. Nice blend. I think they use uh, tobaccos. The filler is from Jalapa and um, uh, Esteli, and it's very creamy, a very creamy cigar, You know, going to be a mild medium. In fact, I would tell you right off the bat, believe it or not, that I think that La Vieja Habana, Connecticut, would go nicely with this best brown ale because this mm-hmm. best brown is not overpowering, no bitterness. I actually think that would be a very nice, uh, uh, nice pairing. So very nice, good cigars. Okay, maybe those. I'll try. Maybe I'll try that out late. It, the weather outside is not real good, and the missus don't let me smoke in the house. So uh, we'll have to see how the day goes. Larry, you need to come for remedial alpha male boot camp with the general down here in the Cigar City. You know, as I say, if the wife doesn't like the aroma of your cigars, change wives. <laughs> that did, now, see, listen, we, when, we were in, um, uh, when we were in Colorado last week for Great American Beer Festival, we went over to the Brown Palace Hotel. Bells had won a medal. I got to smoke a 1964 Padron and have a go. scotch. And uh, always, always, you know, yeah, I'm paying some drag cleaning bills, but it, it was worth every minute of it. Well, so far, Larry, uh, for a guy that doesn't smoke cigars too often, when you do smoke them, you've got impeccable taste. You clearly know some of the great <laughs> cigar brands. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Let's, um, before we get in, and the last segment I'm going to save for the Kalamazoo Stout, but let's talk about, uh, you've got kind of a, a beer, I guess we could say, off the beaten path. And by the way, Larry Bell of Bell's Brewery, the founder and CEO, our guest as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. Larry, you've got a beer off the a beaten path, Flamingo Fruit Fight. That's uh, going to be coming out after the first of the year um, as a, a seasonal slot that we have. That's really uh, a reference to a Captain Beefheart song called Tropical Hot Dog Night. Tropical Hot Dog Night, like two flamingos in a fruit fight. And uh, we've been testing it. Um, boy, it's an easy drinker, really flavorful, and I think people are just... You know, gonna love it down that that Florida heat you got. That that's a quaffer, uh, no doubt about it. Anytime year round. So you got to have a little bit of passion fruit, some lime, tropical citrus. Uh, that looks just look. I got to tell you, just looking at the can and looking at the design of the uh, the bottle label, I mean, the thing just screams tropical. Yeah, you know, we've got a couple couple new beers coming out of the first. All, after the first, also will be Bell's official which would be a, a hazy IPA uh, out in cans. Um, you know, we just put in two new pilot systems, one in Comstock and one in Kalamazoo, and we're just getting going on playing around and uh, really starting to work a lot on developing new brands and some innovation. And then one thing you didn't mention I do want to get in is that we actually have another brewery as well in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, called the Upper Hand Brewery, and that beer is just available in uh, Upper Michigan, Northern Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And it's owned by Bell's, but it doesn't make Bell's beers. It makes all kinds of different things. Cool. So when we come back for our final and concluding segment for our initial Cigar Oktoberfest show, I want to get, uh, Larry, I want to talk about a couple of different beers. I want to talk about your Oktoberfest, the special double cream stout, and the final Bell's beer that I will taste today, the Kalamazoo Stout, as our final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show with our special guest, Larry Bell, the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery up in Michigan, comes your way next. 
This month's Cigar Dave Officers Club selection is a sampler from A.J. Fernandez featuring San Latano Requiem Maduro. This cigar's rich, chocolatey, slightly sweet, and creamy flavors are delivered through layers of thick, flavorful nuances. Get cigars like these shipped directly to you every month by joining the Cigar Dave Officers Club today. Get details at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar-making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth, it will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it. The oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. Final and concluding segment of this edition of our Cigar Oktoberfest celebration. The entire month we celebrate cigars and beer. And Larry Bell, the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery in both Kalamazoo and Comstock, Michigan, our special guest. Larry, word has it you were actually in the radio biz before you became a brewer extraordinaire. Jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I actually did AM radio on WYYY, playing adult contemporary music. And then I worked, uh, had my own show on public radio doing jazz uh, on Sunday evenings on a 50,000-watt university station. So, you know, on those, those weekends when you work both stations, you had to think clearly about call letters at the top of the hour. 
make sure you got it uh, right. That is correct. Now, WYYY was where? In Kalamazoo at the time? Yeah, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Why, Kalamazoo. why, why did I work there? Very much like WKRP. Yes. Um, <laughs> Herb Tarlick and uh, Les Nesman, they were all there. I mean, uh, they were... were all there. Yep. All right. Sounds good. By the way, was there a Jennifer Marlowe, the receptionist uh, like that at WYYY in Kalamazoo? Uh, there was a program manager. Let me just right. put it that way. Close yeah. enough. Fantastic. All right, let's uh, wrap up by talking about some of your specialty beers before we get into our final tasting. Oktoberfest is upon us. You've got a special Oktoberfest beer, a Marzen. Tell us about that. A lot of uh, breweries don't make lagers, and we don't make a ton of lager, but increasingly we're making more and more lager. As a bigger craft brewery, we've got the, the tank, the the laboratory. Uh, we've got tank space, the laboratory, the expertise and we love Oktoberfest season. We love making this nice multi martin style beer. It's designed to be drunk in quantity because that's what we do when we go to Oktoberfest. We don't skimp on the mug size and fill it up. And uh, something that, that you can drink three, four moss of if, if that's what you want to do. All right, so that's limited availability. And uh, then next we've got the special... Double cream <laughs> stout. And I'm looking at this thing, Larry, and, uh, I mean, it looks like a chocolate bar ready to be uh, consumed. Again, one of our old, old brands, um, we make a lot of different stouts. Uh, coming up the first Sunday in November, we have, on the Catholic calendar, it's All Saints Day, but we have All Stouts Day. And I think our record is having 22 different stouts on tap. Um, so uh, we like stout a lot. I know Special Double Cream Stout is a long name. Uh, that originally came out in maybe 1987 in uh, nip bottles, little 187 mil- milliliter bottles, uh, designed as a sweet stout, as uh, a, sort of a dessert beer, uh, end of the night uh, sort of thing. And, um, you know, just a, a creamy, rich, sweet stout. Well, we're going to follow up with a stout that I have purchased it's called the Bell's Brewery Kalamazoo Stout, but I'm going to kind of put a little slant on it, the famous song. I'm going to call it the I've Got a Gallon Kalamazoo Stout. This is an American stout. I've just poured it. It looks like I poured a glass of espresso. It is, I mean, like a Maduro-looking cigar. You know, I, I guess I would probably call this a medium stout. Um, you know, it's it's certainly fuller than, than Guinness and, and more alcohol. And, uh, going, you know, going back to literary stuff that we were talking about, there's an old Kurt Vonnegut book, and I can't remember which one it is, where he talks about his grandfather being a brewmaster and how all brewmasters have a secret ingredient. And so back in the day, we always used this Italian brewer's licorice in making Kalamazoo stout. And, we, you know, if you don't know that it's there, you probably wouldn't pick it out. Several years ago, the government decided that we had to start putting that on the label. So we do use a little bit of this brewer's licorice, not really for flavor, but more for mouthfeel there. Um, So this is our our year-round stout, our everyday uh, drinking stout, uh, firm, but, uh, you know. Larry, it is fabulous as we wrap it up. It is uh, a lot of flavor, but, I mean, loads of dark chocolate, some nice coffee notes, this is this Kalamazoo Stout Magnificent. Larry, want to thank you for joining us. Uh, very fascinating. Really appreciate your time. Larry Bell, 
the founder and CEO of Bell's Brewery. Larry, next time you are down in Florida in the Cigar City, we will do a special show with you. We'd love to have you on. We'll smoke some great cigars and enjoy some great Bell's beers. How's that? I, I would love it. I look forward to that. Thanks for having me today. Larry, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Cigar Dave, the general saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Cheers as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest.